to Glory to Glory, the radio teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel of the Harbor. Join us now in our study as we open the Word together. And if you can please open and turn with me to Revelation 21, verse 1. I mentioned last week uh, that we just were scratching the surface of these verses, so we're going to go back and kind of glean through some of the things that we didn't see last week. There's quite a bit that we did not go through, so uh, I pray that uh, we'll be able to point out some things that uh, we weren't able to get to last week. The title of our message is End Times, the Best of Times. End Times, the Best of Times. I hope and pray that as a believer, you realize that the best is yet to come for us. It only gets better and better and better. As you think of when we go to heaven or if we're raptured and we go through the millennial kingdom, that's going to get so much better with Jesus reigning there in Mount Zion. But then the new heaven and the new earth, it gets better. And then the new city that we're going to look at, it gets better. And kind of just the opposite, with the earth that we live on, everything gets worse. We, there's the second law of thermodynamics. Things are breaking down. Our bodies are breaking down, and things are decaying and rusting. So it's, it's just the opposite when, you get, when we get to heaven. It just keeps getting better and better. Instead of here, it keeps getting worse and worse and worse. So we have a great future. We have a wonderful future before us as believers. And I, we're going to look at some of that, what is in our future isn't it great we have a book that tells the future? We don't have to guess. We know exactly what's happening. It's written and God wrote it for us that we might be encouraged at our future, what's going to happen in our future. So end times, the best of times. The best of times are yet to come. And we're going to look at a few more things about this new heaven, new earth, and this new city. So let's, uh, if you can, stand with me. And I'm going to go ahead and read these five verses. Again, Revelation 21. Verse 1, the apostle John writes, and he says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. Also there was no more sea. Then I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people. God himself will be with them and be their God, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. Then he who sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things. Can we say that together? New. And he said to me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. Lord, we pray over these five verses. We pray, Lord, that, uh, again, just help us to apply it as we look to you and your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can be seated. Thank you. The timeline's pretty simple because we looked at the timeline last week, so it hasn't changed the timeline for this. This will happen immediately after the white throne judgment when those that reject Christ uh, are judged and they're cast into the lake of fire uh, Satan already was cast into the lake of fire. The false prophet's already there. So uh, that's the timeline. That's when this this takes place. But I wanted, I haven't done this in a while, so I want to put a, a timeline up on the screen just to kind of uh, go over this again. Every once in a while, we'll put this up. But uh, so before the cross, we have the Old Testament times, the cross, obviously, where Jesus died on the cross. 
We have the present church age. That's the time we live in. I believe we're right about there <laughs> before the rapture. If you're new here, no, I'm not setting dates and times. I'm not, I'm just saying I believe that the rapture could be at any time. And so we're, you know, probably towards the end of the church age. Um, we already looked at chapters 6 through 19. That was a tribulation period. We went through that. And then there's the return of Christ that's going to happen when Christ comes back the second time. Then we looked at in chapter 20 of the book of Revelation, the, the millennial reign of Christ. So we already looked at that. And so the timeline, we're right there. We're looking at the eternal state as we just read the new heaven and the new earth. And that's, that's where I believe we're, that, that could come soon. Although we have to go through a thousand years before we get to the, uh, the eternal state. But the thousand years is a day to the Lord, and the days is a thousand years. So who knows? I don't know how that's going to work out. But I believe it. it's a literal thousand years. Before we get into verse 1, maybe this is your first time here. And I, I know sometimes when people visit our church, I get things back to me that say, oh, they're not going to come back because you're teaching the book of Revelation. It's a scary book for them. So I want to make this as clear as I can, please. And by the way, it's not the book of Revelations. It's the book of Revelation. It's, it's not, it's Revelation. It's plural. It's not plural. It's singular. It's the Revelation. The word Revelation means the unveiling. It's the unveiling of who? Jesus Christ. Does that sound scary to you? No, it's not scary for the believer. It should be very scary for the unbeliever because it tells of a judgment that will happen to the unbeliever, not us. So it's not a scary book. And, as you know, if you've been with us long enough, you know the fact that the book of Revelation is the only book in the entire Bible that promises us a threefold blessing. No other book promises that. We're blessed when we read it, blessed when we hear it, we're blessed when we apply it, when we keep it. So we just read it, we just heard it read, we can close our Bibles, and we can go home and be blessed. But let's see if we can bring some application out of this Wonderful book called the book of Revelation, verse 1. John writing again says, Then I saw a new heaven and a what? New earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had what? Passed away. He's not going to refurbish the earth. It's going to be completely passed away. It's going to melt, and he's going to make a new heaven. He's going to make a new earth. Also, there was no more sea. So we looked at a lot of this already last week, but uh, we even looked at that there's no more sea. Remember I mentioned surfers do not like this verse, right? <laughs> Fishermen don't like this verse. But we talked about the, the fact that the sea provides uh, much oxygen to the earth. It provides, uh, takes away pollution in the air. But we don't need that in the new heaven and new earth. We don't need the sea. But something we didn't talk about, we didn't talk about how in Micah chapter 7, when the Lord buries our sins, it says he buries them into the depths of the, the sea. So maybe that's a reason why there's no sea. Sea brings separation, but maybe that's it. I want to look at that verse. It's, it's in uh, Micah 7, 19, but I, I want to give it some context in verse 18 because these verses are very powerful. It says, who is God like you? Pardoning, can we say that together? Iniquity. Do you know God pardons our iniquity? Do you know what that means? He pardons. It's like, it's okay. You're free. It's like, oh, Lord, I messed up really bad. It's like going to court, and you, you know you're wrong, and you're standing before the judge, and you, you, you're you thinking that you're going to have this heavy fine or whatever's going to happen, and the judge looks at you and says, you're pardoned. 
And that's what he does with our iniquity. He pardons our iniquity and passes over what? The transgressions, transgression of the remnant of his heritage. He does not retain his anger forever. The word retains, in other words, he doesn't hold on to his anger. In other words, he's not always mad at us. Do you know God like that? When I was growing up, I always thought God was always mad at me because I was a bad kid. And I was like, oh, God, you know, he's mad at me. But it says he doesn't hold on. He doesn't retain that anger. In other words, he gets mad at sin, and we go to the cross. It's over with. And it's, it doesn't retain that. He doesn't hold on. He's not. Wouldn't it be terrible if you go to God, and every time you go to him, he's angry, like, okay, I'm sorry. I'll come back later. <laughs> because he delights in, can we say that loud and clear? He delights in mercy. Do you know your God delights in mercy? He will again have, what? Compassion on us. And will subdue our iniquity. Subdue means to, to keep under, force down. He, he forces that down. He doesn't, we give it to him, he just pushes it away. And then this is the part that I wanted to get at here. You will cast all, how many of our sins? All our sins into the depths of the sea. Isn't that awesome? So maybe that's why there's no more sea. I love what Corey Ten Boone said. She said, God buries our sins in the depths of the sea and then puts up a sign that reads, no fishing. How often do we do that, though? We just pull up that old sin and it's like, oh, God, I'm sorry. You know, it's like it's already buried. Leave it there. Amen. The book of Revelation, we're called to make applications. So as I, if I look at this, I, I think about how compassionate our God is, how merciful God is. And, you know, he's called us to be merciful and compassionate. Did I skip over it? There it is. And Jesus said, Luke 6, 36, Therefore be merciful just as your Father also is merciful. We're to be merciful. The other day, somebody did something against the church that made me very mad. And I confronted him and told him it was wrong, and I was upset. And I believe that that was a righteous anger. He doesn't go to the church. You guys don't know who he is. But he's, it just it was, it was wrong, and it was against the church, and it hurt the church. And I confronted it. I said, that's wrong. And I'm furious and dealt with it. And since he apologized, which is great. But there's this balance of being merciful, but we, the Bible says, be angry and do not sin. That's not an easy thing to do, to get angry and not sin, because we can get angry and then we sin, because we're, we're in the flesh and we get angry at the wrong things. But, but we have to realize the same Jesus that flipped over the tables there, the money changers, and, and took the whip and he was driving the money changers out and he says, you know, you, you make my house a, a house of merchandise when my house is to be a house of prayer. That same Jesus fed the poor, healed the sick, raised the dead, had compassion. Lord, help us to know the leading of his spirit when it comes to our emotions and how we're to respond, how we're to act. Lord, help us with that. I'm not up here saying that I perfected this. No, I, I don't believe I have at all, but I want to do what's right, and I need to be more compassionate. My wife and I, we were at uh, Home Depot just the other day. We've been going there quite a bit because there's a lot of projects going on. And I actually love working with my hands. I, I haven't been able to as much as I want, but I love Home Depot. As a matter of fact, so I, I don't like shopping, but for some reason I like shopping there. I don't know what it is. It's weird. So we're in line, we're getting ready to check out in a self-checkout. And this, this older elderly man, it's, he didn't see... <laughs> 
He didn't see that there was a line. And so he went right up to, to check out on his own. And, and I'm standing there in line and I'm, I like, I like to take advantage of every second that I have. So this was getting in my way. And I'm thinking, so I, I literally listen to this. I had this molding that's nine foot long in my hand and I was going to, he was like about eight foot away. So I was, I was reaching up. I was going to tap him on the shoulder. <laughs> To tell him, hey, get in back of the line. And literally, I went, I kid you not, I went like this, and I went to put it up, and the Lord says, don't do that. <laughs> and I, he spoke in a strong way to my heart. It's, it's okay, let him go. And I was like, thank you, Lord. It's like, <laughs> and he reminded me as I was going like this that I have a merciful God that's so merciful to me. But we're called, we're called to, to extend his mercy to others. We're to be merciful to others, Amen. But back in our text, we get to verse 2 where it says, Then I, John, saw the, can we say those two words together? Holy city, city, new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Jerusalem is very significant when it comes to God. The new Jerusalem will be called the holy city. It's not a holy city right now. How many of you have been to Israel and saw the have seen Jerusalem and the old town and all that. It, it, it's not a holy city. There's, there's, matter of fact, out of any place in the world, when I go there, there's more spiritual tension there than I've ever experienced anywhere in, in, in the world with the Arab quarter and the Jewish quarter and the Christians quarter. And, the, and there's just, there's something that happens. And it's, a, but it's very, listen, Jerusalem, even today is very special to God. Jerusalem is where Jesus Christ during the millennial kingdom will come and rule and reign from Mount Zion there in Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, we're told in Ezekiel chapter five, verse five, it says, thus says the Lord God, this is Jerusalem, which I have set her in the midst or in the center of the nations and all the countries all around her. It's, it's very special. This place, Jerusalem, is very special to God. He, he says it's in the center of all the nations. And then, I don't know if you realize this, but here it's the crossroads of three continents. But also, most languages to the east of Jerusalem are written from right to left, while most languages of the west of Jerusalem are written from left to right. And it's just, there's something very significant about this place called Jerusalem. But it's not holy yet. And it won't be completely holy until this new city, this new Jerusalem comes down from heaven, and it's going to be beyond anything that we can even come up with. And we'll talk in detail in the next few weeks. We're going to look at some more details about this holy city. This is where God himself, God the Father and God the Son, will be there on thrones, and this water is going to come forth out of the throne, and it's going to be a place like we can't even imagine. But it's not a holy place right now. Matter of fact, David Hawkins, he tells about how when he was there with the tour, he warned everyone in his tour. He said, you know, this is like the people are like the most professional pickpocketers in the world are right here. And it's true. So he warned his group. And it's true. If you ever go to the old town, old city of Jerusalem, be careful. There's the best pickpocketers that are there. They're just amazing. They're, 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 they're pros. So he tells his, his tour, he tells all his people, he says, hey, you know, women, watch your purses, put it in your front, hold on your purses, make sure, you know, people are going to bump into you, they're going to try to steal from you. Told the men, you know, watch your wallets, make sure you got your hand in your wallets. And so he went through the whole spiel with them, and he goes through the, the, the place, and then they get to their destiny. He goes, well, let's now all take a picture. And he went to get his camera, and his camera was missing. They took it. Off his neck, they must have just cut it. They bumped into him. And they took his camera. So then he reached, true story, he reached in his pocket. Guess what? His wallet was gone. True. 
And the change, the shekels in the bottom of his pocket, they got that too. It's not a holy city, not yet, but the best is yet to come. But look at the rest of this. It's prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. When you think of a bride, I, I don't know what words you think of, but I think first word I think of is radiant, beautiful, stunning, elegant, pure. There's a lot of preparation that takes place. I know for my wife, when she was preparing, there's a lot of preparation that takes place to be a bride, to walk down that aisle. The right gown, the right shoes, the right veil, the hair has to be right, the makeup just right. There's there's a lot of preparation. And then when she comes down, when she walks down that aisle, guess what? What do we do? Our tradition, everybody stands up, right? And everybody turns. What are they looking at? They're, they're looking at the bride. And I know when my wife walked down the aisle, she was radiant. She, I could see her glowing from, I was standing there at Calvary Costa Mesa. Pastor Chuck Smith walked her down the aisle and everybody, all eyes are on her. And, and it just, she was just, she was like a light bulb. She was just radiant. And I've told you this before, but she, literally they just were walking real slow and they, she was acknowledging everybody. And it was just like, and I was like, come on, let's go. Let's, let's, let's go. <laughs> but I can guarantee you there wasn't one eye on me whatsoever. It was all on the bride. And if you think through this with me for a second, you think through that God has prepared this place, this new city for us to dwell in with him, a meeting place where we're going to dwell with him for all eternity. But he prepared this earth in six days. And I'm assuming as it says prepared, I don't know how long he's been preparing, but possibly for the last 2,000 years, he's been preparing this wonderful place for us. If he's prepared this beautiful place in six days, can you imagine what this new city is going to look like? I cannot even imagine. But I believe as we stand up and we're in awe of the bride, as, as a bride is walking down the aisle, I, I believe when this city comes down, there'll be the new heaven, the new earth. But when this glorious city, this crown that's going to come down, I believe this crown of, the, of heaven and earth is going to come. We're going to be standing in awe like how beautiful, how radiant. I don't know about you, but I'm looking towards that time. I'm excited about seeing this new city coming down from heaven. Amen? And if you think through this, it's called a holy city, but there's never been a holy city in this earth. And never. And you might say, well, pastor, what about the Garden of Eden? You know, the, well, even that was tainted with the serpent. There's never been a holy city. And daily we're reminded that this is not heaven here. And, and I think things are getting more and more crazy as we, as we read the news. Did you guys see this? I mean, this is just weird. Michigan school puts litter boxes in the bathrooms for students that identify now as cats. Midland Public School in Michigan. This is, listen, this is what happens when you take the Bible out of schools, when you take prayer out of school. What do you do? Anything goes. Anything goes. It's sad. This just came out last night. The State Department has ordered families of the U.S. Embassy personnel in Ukraine to begin evacuating the country, evacuating the country as soon as Monday. So the headline, we're at the brink of war, U.S. officials tell Fox News. It's not heaven till we get there. How about this? D.C. is the new Soviet Union. They're on food rations now. They're, there's shortage of food. All these things leading towards, I believe, pointing to the fact that Christ is coming. So if you were with us last Sunday, we pointed out that there was a school that had a Satan club. Well, now another one pops up. 
Another after-school Satan club that targets children ages 6 to 11 shows up at the elementary school, this time in Ohio, elementary school in Warren, Ohio. Ohio is under intense scrutiny from parents and community members after after the school decided to allow an after-school Satan club that is being offered by the Satanic Temple to be held on its campus. Guys, this is what happens again when you take the Bible out of schools and you take prayer out of schools. So we're looking for a new heaven and a new earth. Amen? This one, this one's very concerning. This is what they tried to do here in the United States, but it didn't pass, but it has passed in Canada. So... It says Canada law could lock up religious people for five years if they resist children's transition gay identity. So a new Canadian law called the C4 outlaw so-called conversion therapy, which is defined in the law as any counseling or advising against transgender or non-binary identity or non-heterosexual sexuality. Listen to this. Don't miss this. Even if the young person or adult requests it. Do you understand what this is? If somebody goes into a church in Canada and says, you know, I'm struggling with homosexuality. I don't know if this is a sin or not a sin. What do you think? And they say, yeah, the Bible says it's a sin. And you can repent from that. And God can help you with that area of your life. They can go to jail for five years, even if they request help. It directly goes against the Bible. Lord, help us. But we have good news. I always like to leave it with good news here. So as many as, yeah, 100,000 or more pro-life Americans march in the bitter cold Friday, Washington, D.C., hoping and praying that states soon will be allowed to to protect unborn babies again. Amen. But still, we're reminded that the Lord is coming, and there's no holy city, and there won't be a holy city until we see this holy city, and we will see it someday. Amen? Verse 4, God will wipe away how many tears? Every tear from their eyes. There shall be no more, can we say it? Death, nor sorrow, nor crying. There shall be no more pain, for the former things have passed away. No more crying. Do you ever think about crying with an emotion that's, I don't know about you, but there's, I don't cry very often, but when I do, it's like a release. It's like if something gets me so upset and I just start, I just start crying, I'm like, wow. That was, I should cry more often. This is good. But usually crying is brought about by something that has hurt you or has discouraged you or is bothering you. And it brings this emotion. And God created this for us. And we, we cry. I was told that if you look at our, uh, our teardrops under a microscope, that the crystals form crosses. So there's little crosses that come down as we cry. But there's no need for that. Why? Because... There's not, there's going to be nothing in this new place that's going to discourage us. There, in his presence is fullness of joy. In other words, we're not going to have this emotion of pain and hurt and, and sorrow and all these things. It's all going to be gone. I look forward to that. There's no more death. That means there's no graveyards. There's no cemeteries. And there's no funeral services. There's no memorial services. Death is a difficult thing to deal with if you do not know Christ, Right? I've done memorial services when I was at Calvary Costa Mesa. I've done many memorial services. And I can always tell if the family, if they're believers or not believers. I could tell by how they handle death, especially when a mother loses a child. It's impossible to deal with something like that if you don't know Christ. But if you know Christ, you can deal with it. You know why? Because we, 
when a person, we say that we lost a person, but we don't really lose anyone if they're a Christian. We know right where they're at. But death separates us. My dad, just uh, 10 years ago, uh, on the 17th, January 17th, 10 years ago, he went to be with the Lord. I miss him. But guess what? I'm going to see him again and spend all eternity with him. But the, the good news is once we go to heaven and once we're with them, there's going to be no more separation from them anymore. No death, nor sorrow. Hi, this is Pastor Joe, and I'd like to take a moment to personally invite you to one of our three services here at Calvary Chapel of the Harbor in Huntington Beach. Our service times are 9 a.m., 10.45 a.m., and 12.30 p.m. Please come and say hi after the service. I would love to meet you. For more information, check out our website at ccoth.com. That's ccoth.com. God bless you. You've been listening to Glory to Glory with Pastor Joe Pettick an outreach of Calvary Chapel of Art. If you would like to enter into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call now at 714-788-8221. That's 714-788-8221. Our new location is at 4121 Warner Avenue in Huntington Beach at the beautiful Huntington Harbor Marina. Now, may we continue to go to His throne of mercy as He changes us from glory to glory.